Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. February 13th, 2020, you're listening to the Mike Abadir Show here. Gito Bacola alongside the main man, Mike Abadir. And Mike, it's kind of been um, a, a theme now for a while that a lot of the the major topics and stories that we start out with and talk about here aren't even anything to do with with really with like games and stuff on the field. We're not talking about a game that just happened or a... Uh, a big score from the other day. It's another story in, in baseball with the Astros and uh, and the cheating. Um, it was uh, you know the Astros and the Red Sox stuff that came out for a while. Uh, it's just been stories that aren't really stuff that's uh, that, that's being in the uh, the spirit of the competition. Yeah, I mean, the only one that really uh, has been in terms of this week that got a lot of attention was obviously the Mookie Betts trade and then is it on, is it off, is it on, um, and that whole saga. But yeah, in terms of the Astros cheating scandal, um, I think they've, you know, really put their foot in their mouths uh, multiple times now. You know, today, uh, you know, for all our listeners who m- maybe have not yet gone home and turned on ESPN, it's pretty much the uh, informal start to spring training for a lot of teams. Pitchers and catchers are reporting, that type of thing. And uh, I think some of the Astros' positional p- players arrived probably a little bit early to mesh with uh, Dusty Baker, their new manager, and probably just to get out ahead of this issue, which is the cheating scandal. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, man, it, it just was not a good look in terms of the, the content that they provided us. Uh, very aloof sounding, especially when you go on for 30 seconds, don't give them anything and then uh, take no questions. Yeah, this will kind of sum up most of what we were dealing with here. The owner, Jim Crane, said, and I quote, Our opinion is that this didn't impact the game. 55 seconds later, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. <laughs> That's Somebody awesome. literally rephrased what I think he when said. you're like a millionaire, billionaire, whatever the heck he is, you could kind of <laughs> say that stuff, I guess. I don't know. But it was just like, <laughs> you know, so, and, and we, you know, and we, it, we can joke and laugh about, about this and, and who knows, you know, with, you know, what the MLB investigation found versus what we now know over the last few weeks with, um, you know, the the formulas that were built and the decoder and all these different things and the buzzers who they've all said that there were no buzzers but I, I don't believe that at all. Um, the the one thing that I ask you as someone who is an agent and someone who knows law very well, could there be anything legal here with with the money? you know that is earned like bonuses and stuff like that because i i don't i don't have a problem with um you know i, I don't necessarily want like i said I, the, I don't think the dodgers or the yankees or some other team should be awarded the world series i do think that based on what we've now found out that the astros should not be awarded the world series from that year and i think there just should be no winner uh, but but um, as far as the money is concerned that's the only thing that makes me feel weird it's that- a reasonable question what i'll tell you is this um a, we don't have much precedent, so sure. there isn't there isn't a clear cut, definitive answer. But what I will tell you is that 
these type of contracts, you know, professional sports contracts, uh, you know, are governed, you know, by the collective bargaining agreement. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I'd want to do is see what baseball's ML, uh, Major League Baseball Players Association um, bylaws say about the matter right now most likely something like this would go to one of their assigned arbiters Mm -hmm. right to you know baseball is big on arbitration so any any kind of dispute especially a financial nature typically go through the arbitration process where it's most commonly heard about as you well know is you know before that point you hit free agency there's enough service time in baseball they go to arbitration if they can't agree on a number um you know for contractually speaking and you actually saw that with uh with your boy uh bunch of them jock uh, yeah yeah jock just the other day um and and and, you know um uh, obviously, sometimes it works out for the player. Sometimes it works out for the team. I believe Jock lost his arbitration case. Yes, he did. Case. Jock lost his. I think he got uh, seven million instead of the nine that he was asking for. Yeah, it's actually a very interesting process. We don't do that in the NFL, uh, but it, it's actually a very interesting process in baseball. Not to get too diverge too much off point, but they they actually do it on the blind, right? And and so you either win or lose your number. So you see seven million. The other guy says eleven million. And it's either going to be seven or 11, which is kind of a scary proposition. You know what I mean? Because it's such a huge gap. Whereas if you had actually had a chance to negotiate it, you probably land on nine, something more satisfactory to either side. Um, but anyways, um, so, so did, that's, that's kind of my response on that is it most likely it would go through an arbiter. Very, very difficult to pinpoint a dollar amount. I mean, it would be extremely difficult and who who does it go to who comes you know, up that, see, who, this, who does it go to i, I didn't what, cheat what but i might do teammate did but my what, but my other teammate didn't do it in the world series see what, you, what, you know what, I mean? what crane should do or like a gesture you know uh you know something that would would look good is he could come out and say okay here i think it's something like every player when they win the world series gets like a near half a million dollar bonus mm-hmm it's I think it's in the high four hundred thousands, so something along those lines. To say, okay, hey, I'm gonna donate twenty million dollars or whatever it is to some charity. This is the money that our team won. He should take the bullet for it for the whole team, and then you kind of spin it a little bit. You know, you can you can at least get some sort of positive um, from this because everything that came out of today, just like I don't. Why am I supposed to believe every any of this stuff? Like, why am I supposed to like, like, okay, yeah, I I believe what you said. I just don't know, like, what's, I don't know what's BS, what's not. I think the MLB, obviously, in investigating this, I think they had to to make, they had to do something, but I don't think they even wanted to unlock everything and make all that stuff public. Like, I guarantee you they knew some of the, or they know some of the stuff about the buzzers, or they know some of the stuff about the formulas, and, and, and they were they were able to plug it in and decode the stuff right away, but they don't want all that getting out because it makes them look terrible. It's like, you're, you know, the problem child kid, you look to the parents right away. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, man. And uh, you know, it'll, I'll be interested to get the. You know, we've got a great baseball lineup today, by the way. Uh, quickly run it down, but I'm going to be interested to hear kind of some of uh, the uh, you know insiders' take on all this. But we're going to be joined by June Lee from ESPN, David Gaskin from Fox Sports, and Eno Saris from the Athletic. MLB as well as he's made some appearances on MLB Network. So I think we've we've had all three of them on before, yep. never at the same time. So I think this is the first time that we've hit the trifecta of of networks. The murderers so, row. Uh, 
So, you know, yeah, it's a murderer's row. So I think we're going to be able to, to ask them some of these questions and um, now have be able you, to kind of dissect this a little bit more. Have you seen the stuff about Mike Bolsinger, the pitcher? Uh, I, I, I have not sunk my teeth into it, put it to you that way. Okay, so, so maybe you could kind of fill us in. Yeah, so Mike Bolsinger, who was a, a pitcher for the Dodgers, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he pitched in 11 games for Toronto in 27, and the last time he came up the, in the, to the majors was against the Houston Astros on August 4th. He got absolutely lit up. He is now filing. Um, he said the damage they did to his career and his whole life was harsh, and he's filing a civil lawsuit in the Los Angeles Superior Court against the Astros, accusing them of unfair business practices, negligence, and uh, intentional interference with contractual and economic relations. He's seeking unspecified damages. They're not all for himself. He wants the Astros to forfeit roughly $31 million in bonuses from their ill-gotten World Series title. So this is you know exactly the kind of stuff we were just talking about right now. And, yeah, and my guess, by to- the way, is that a judge will, will actually kind of refer it back yeah. to the arbiter but don't, don't quote me on that sometimes if they find it to be egregious enough you know and you could kind of prove standing and that it would be un, like in unjust to not hear it at that court you know perhaps it could be done you know by the way we saw that um nine years ago when the nfl had their lockout uh, exact same thing happened, by the way, where the, I don't know if you remember this, but they actually tried to take it to court and you could Google it. Um, the players wanted to get an injunction from a Northeastern federal job, actually from a judge from Minnesota. I don't remember what district that is in federal court. And basically, long story short was it was kind of kicked out on the same kind of grounds, which is you guys have a process to go through. It's outlined and I feel more comfortable going about it that way. Right. Because you don't, here's the thing. You don't want to have judges kind of get it metal into the business when these things have already been collectively bargained for. Mm-hmm. And. If it hasn't specifically been bargained for, there's always a catch-all. There's always a catch-all type, you know, t- type language in there that says, if anything else happens, back to the arbitration hearing. <laughs> you know, that's always the yeah. catch-all. So this falls under there if anything else happens, which is kind of I, I don't want to get too much into legalese, but that's exactly why I'm saying, you know, a lot of times they may say it would be too harmful or there would be a grave injustice if we don't hear it. And, uh, and presumably they could. I think in his case, it's going to be really rough because, uh, you know, he kind of wasn't good enough to make it until he made it. And when sure. he made it, he was there so little. And and that was that. You know what I mean? If he was a big prospect, you know, we've seen prospects get shelled for, you know, 10 runs in their first outing and still get the ball next time out. Yeah. yeah. Why did it, he, it's just, you know? I think he. It, it's just crazy because that was his last time. So he's able to kind of use that as then say, um, it's, there's just so many things that kind of like spider web out of, out of this that you, that you wouldn't even think of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like little, like so many layers to this that, that you, that you really wouldn't think of. So, um, we're just going to continue to, uh, monitor this because I can't wait till they show up, you know, in an opposing ballpark for the first week of the season, they are just going to get booed like crazy, especially like there, there are huge Dodger contingents already planning to go uh, whenever they play the angels out here. Cause they, they don't play the Dodgers this year in LA. And um, I think the all-star game though is, is here in LA. 
So, you know, any of them that make the All-Stars from the Astros, they'll get booed like absolute crazy. So, yeah, this is going to be like bad guy wrestler territory we're talking here, Mike. They're going to be getting some stuff thrown at us. It's going to be like, you know, old school. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just kind of moving on to the um, Mookie Betts saga. Uh, I, as a Red Sox fan, like version two a lot better than, than version one. Yeah, it was way better. And you know what? As a Dodger fan, I actually like it better too. I do. Well, you got a guy with a lot of upside, right? He's got a heater. I, well, we got we we got a guy that we need we that is a, could be of much more use to the Dodgers. That that was why the Dodgers were okay with doing a deal like this because they got they gave away someone like Jeter Downs who was never like a Dodger prospect. Even they, this was someone they acquired last year. He's a very good prospect, and they tweaked the swing. Yeah, a little he was bit. a part and of the uh, Yasiel Puig tra- tra- yep, uh, yep, trade. They, him and him. Alex Wood. Yeah, they yep. got him back in that. So he, it's not like he's been like a homegrown guy that they've been developing for years. He's very very good. Um, you know, he he would be the best prospect for a lot of teams out there but for the Dodgers he would be the type of guy that that would have a tough time seeing the field they're very young they're very deep you know he's years away from being ever being on a big league roster for the Dodgers and and it's a great fit for for Boston you get a little bit more it's you know I, I was initially I was like I don't like the way Boston did this but you know what to be honest we don't know what got released so maybe Boston was never and with, when Friedman was talking about it too maybe Boston was never even really all in on that and that information just kind of got out there and then you know that's how it went but no matter what it's a much better version for Boston much better they got they just get more more out of it and you never are going to be happy trading Mookie bets but. If in in just a complete vacuum, it's not a bad trade. Uh, I agree, and uh, you know it's, it's actually perfect timing because we've got our first guest, and we could get his take on the trade as well. And that is June Lee from ESPN. Hey June, June, you're on with Mike and Gino. How are you, June? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate. It. Sorry for calling in late. No, absolutely. We appreciate you coming on. We're going to be a little bit limited on time uh, because we have to stay on schedule, but we uh, really appreciate you dialing us. And so let's get right to it. Uh, what, what, after you've had a few days to now digest version two of the Mookie Betts trade, what are your thoughts on it? And what is the sentiment that you're hearing out of the Boston fans? Obviously, we know that they're very disappointed to lose, you know, arguably, you know, one of the top three players in all of baseball. But have have they kind of come around on some of these prospects? And, uh, and you know, wh- what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I'm currently down in Fort Myers uh, hanging out at Red Sox camp. Uh, it's been a really, really hectic couple of days. I, on the first day of camp, uh, pretty much um, the, the, the team announced the trade, and uh, literally the next day uh, the, they announced Ron Renegade as manager. And so it's not every single day you have a team announce the trade of its literal best player and uh, announce a new manager in, uh, in, over the course of 24 hours. So it's been super hectic. Um, it's uh, it's it's been weird. I mean, I've been talking to a, a lot of my uh, friends from from home in Boston uh, who are Red Sox fans, and I really can't remember a time where uh, a trade of any sort from any team has angered the fans of a city so much. I think Mookie had kind of a, a special relationship with uh, with a lot of fans in the city. 
Uh, I think a lot of people viewed Mookie as this kind of incredibly special figure for the Red Sox, someone who came up through uh, the homegrown minor league system and, and became an MVP and a World Series champion. Uh, and, you know, you, you watch that guy play on an, on an every single day uh, basis. You, know, you see the smile. You see his, his flashy play on the field. You see uh, his MVP seasons. Uh, it, it's it's uh, it, the, the fans of Boston have, have really grown an appreciation for, for Mookie over the course of his entire career with the Red Sox. And so, you know, you can talk about all the financial stuff that you want. You can talk about all the prospect returns they want. Uh, but I think this is... Uh, this has hit fans a little bit differently in Boston because it feels uh, it feels personal because Mookie was a, a very special figure to a lot of Red Sox fans. Now, on the uh, on the Dodgers side, how do you think they they kind of come out of this trade? Now, I mean, and as far as the National League is concerned, they look like they are going to be really really tough to beat, and overall. It's starting at least the buzz out there. I mean, we don't want to really completely count out, uh, you know, teams like the Astros or the Twins, but all that buzz out there is uh, is already like people are just assuming it's going to be Yankees Dodgers in there. What do you think as far as those two teams and like how they compare to, to the rest of the league right now? Sure. I think the thing with baseball, especially compared to, you know, football and, and basketball in particular, is that you really can't predict who's going to win the postseason. Um, yep. Because, you, and, you know, halfway through last season, I think everyone had pretty much counted out the Nationals and, you know, they got hot at the right time and, and yep. things kind of came together for them. And so, you know, as much as we love looking at the on paper stuff in baseball, I think, you know, lots of people do this for every single season. You know, you see the best teams on paper and, and you think it's, you know, impossible for a team to get by them. But uh, weird things happen in baseball. Um, you know, specifically with uh, with the Dodgers and Mookie and Price, um, it'll be interesting to see, especially with with Price. Price, you know, before he had his uh, assist kind of pop up in in his left elbow uh, last year and, and had the injury problem, uh, he was the best pitcher for for the Red Sox probably through uh, you know almost the first uh, three three quarters of the season. He really kind of fell off towards the end, uh, and so it'll be interesting. It's interesting to see whether or not he can kind of put together that performance again. Uh, it, with with the Dodgers and stay healthy. In regards to Mookie, I mean that outfield is is I mean just that, that entire lineup is so terrifying, uh, top to bottom. Uh, and I know that Mookie is incredibly motivated uh, heading into heading into next season uh, to put up an MVP contract because you know him and his people think he deserves Mike Trout money. And this is kind of the time with the spotlight being the the new face of the Dodgers. Uh, it's kind of time for Mookie to shine right now, and we'll see if he's able to step up uh, and, and kind of meet the meet the opportunity. June, uh, I hate that we have to be so uh, brief, but we're up against a commercial break. We know you're super busy, and uh, I really appreciate your time. Is there any possibility we could bring you back maybe a few weeks into camp and kind of uh, get some more details as to what's going on in Red Sox land and maybe even get a prediction or two from you about the AL East? Sure, sounds good to me. Appreciate it, June. Thanks for stopping in. Really appreciate that. Let's take our first commercial break, and we'll be back to talk to David Gaskin from Fox Sports. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show. Big thanks to Julie there for talking a little baseball with us. We have to be quick, though, because we have a couple uh uh, three guests today, and it was just uh, our short one-hour show. We have to be right on on schedule with that. But before uh, before our next guest comes on, a little in between, have you caught or I don't know if you caught the the Lakers uh, Denver game last night? It was it was really really good. We're about to get set for the All Star break, and in, in the NBA, that is. Um, you know, more than halfway through the season. And, you know, all, a lot of the buzz is about the Lakers and LeBron and Anthony Davis. And then, you, you know, you hear about Kawhi and the Clippers and when they're playing well. If you guys aren't watching the Milwaukee Bucks out there, they are 46 and 8. And, and they're not just like beating teams, they have a plus 12.1 differential. We're talking like historic things. They lost last night without Giannis. I mean, this team is unbelievable. I, I don't know if they're how good they're going to be come playoff time when things slow down, but they're doing some things that just at least need to be mentioned and deserve to be because that is an incredible number for a team that I think everybody assumed to be good, but nobody thought this would be like a, an historic type team. Look, when you're winning at over an 85% clip, it's it's mind-boggling in in any sport, you know, especially like basketball or baseball. Uh well, definitely it would be in baseball, but I mean, also in basketball as well. Um, yeah, they're 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 killing it right now. But here's my question for you: I've heard very, very respectable, very knowledgeable commentators say that both the Heat and the Celtics shouldn't be scared of the Bucks. Do you agree with that? Mm. I actually think the team that matches up the best with them is Philly. Philly's had a really weird year. Like, they're just horrible on the road. And most road games, it's, it's like they don't even care. They're really good at home, though, and they have size that can that can make it difficult. They, they are one of the, ga- the teams that actually beat up Milwaukee this year. But I... I'm still what makes this season so fun, Mike, compared to the other 
the the last you know five years when the Warriors were really good, and then a couple years before that when when the Heat were really good, and then you know you had the Spurs before that, the Lakers. You, you always knew there was like one team that was going to be in the finals. We don't really know that this year because none none of these teams have ever done it as a group. Period. Like LeBron's been there, but Anthony Davis hasn't, and he hasn't with the Lakers. Kawhi's been there. The Clippers, sure as hell, never have been there. Paul and Paul George hasn't. The Bucks, they're dominating, but they've never been there. We don't know if Giannis is going to be able to, you know, hit free throws and hit three pointers at a, a high enough rate when things slow down. Um, we we haven't seen it from Philly yet. This Boston team is overachieving a little bit. The Heat, they've been a really good regular season team. They made a couple acquisitions, sure. Like you know, so that that kind of is what we we just don't know this year, and that does. Make it from a like a a fan's kind of a watching it a little more fun because it just feels a little more wide open. Totally agree. Totally agree. This is the most wide open, wouldn't you say, in probably since 2010? Yeah. Yeah. Probably since I would say since the Mavs won the title. Yeah, no, I would agree. Because before agree. that, you didn't know how teams were going to gel and how the big, you know, the big three and all, you know. But, we had you know, the, these dominant kind of uh, yeah. teams, teams. It was kind of as the Celtics since. were starting to kind of like, you know, fade out. Lakers are starting to, fight, you know, but they are still winning titles in the late, you know, what, between 2007, 2009 yeah. or whatnot. So, you know, I'd say it's it's probably, and, and those years are, were fairly wide open as well. And so, I, you know, this is great. The NBA hasn't been this exciting in terms of, you know, enough legit contenders in uh, in a decade yeah and this weekend is the all-star weekend and we've had discussions about that before of like which is uh, of the all-star weekends are good i mean football you don't even really i don't even you can't even really count that it, it doesn't people don't even really like know what's going on or when you know pro bowl activities and and, and stuff and then I, I mean baseball does it pretty well with the home run derby and then the all-star game the basketball all-star game is kind of a joke this some of the Saturday night festivities used to kind of be fun. You know, the, the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest are, are kind of fun ones. But all in all, I mean, this is something that I used to get a lot more interested in when I was a little bit younger. It's just it's, – it's not – it's more about, like, what everybody's wearing now <laughs> than, than, you know, like what they show up at, which, which Kuzma loves. I know that. Anytime he can, he can get his, uh, his fashion out there, he loves that. Isn't it about time that we kind of look at the um... – possibility of an east versus or sorry an nba versus let me rephrase it again america versus the world sure all-star game yeah i know we've seen that in hockey and uh i don't think we've ever had this many top tier we've had a lot of european players and gradually seen more and more throughout the nba over the years but i don't think we've seen this many top tier type players in a long time i really think that the world could give the uh, u.s a run for its money I mean, right up the Especially, top. too, because you're going to be including, like, Canada and stuff like that as well. You know, Australia, you know, as well as Europe. Yeah, I mean, right off the top, you're going to have two... The, the two that would have been the top two in, in MVP voting had Doncic not got hurt with Giannis and Doncic right away. You know, you have uh, Jokic, uh, Jokic who, who, who also would be on that. I mean, so right, right off the bat, you have a couple studs right there. Um, so, yeah, it's... I mean, it's fun. We saw the the U.S. team in the World Championships finish seventh this year. You know, they didn't send a lot of their big guns, but they're they're just quality out there nowadays. And everybody plays ba- basketball. That's the one thing I would always I really got to give David Stern credit for, and and the NBA is they are I think 
much more than any of the other big sports, a global brand. Really, like they, the NBA is popular, very popular in a lot of other countries that don't, that wouldn't maybe care about uh, a sport that that you know they don't really have a, like in front of them in their own country. But it's very, very popular all over the place. We know it's popular like in, in different continents all over the world. So they they've done a good job growing the the brand globally. Without a doubt, man. The the NBA right now uh, is in, is in a great position, and I think that's why they're getting so many players from overseas. You know, you have guys that are growing up in Germany, in, you know, in various parts of Europe, you know, Spain, Italy, you know, you name it, outside of the traditional, you know, France or Argentina or, you know, and you have heroes and you look up to these guys and you're like, you know, I could get to the NBA. This is the pride of my country here. You know, I remember there was a while there where you had a lot of guys from Lithuania, you know, it's like, and you see the waves of them coming. It's no, it's no wonder why. You know what I mean? They've got heroes to look up to and to emulate. And so that's the cool thing about it. I mean, I can only imagine 10, 15 years from now, it's even going to be that much better. It's going to be scary, you know? Because yeah. now you're draw, drawing from a true talent pool all over the place. But in addition, the revenues are going to be through the roof. You know, I think the demand for American basketball is second second to none on a global level as you said and and what's nice is they go into the break um this wasn't for me as as far as the lakers uh, are concerned this was a great I, nobody could have predicted this great of a first half from the lakers to the point where they are going to be going into the break at least five games up in the loss column from every other team in the Western Conference, which is nice now with with not a whole lot left of the season. You you will kind of put yourself in a position where if you have a nice cozy uh, advantage, then you can start sitting LeBron and Anthony Davis some games here or there. You can start monitoring, like tapering their minutes down a little bit. Once you have games clinched and you have the opportunity, I'm not a really big fan of what the Clippers have been doing in that, I, I know what they want to do. They want to keep Kawhi fresh. They want to keep Paul George fresh. They want to um, have them ready for a playoff run. But they're kind of acting like a team that's already won two or three titles, and they haven't Isn't won any titles. It's like they're 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 a little too relaxed, and they they take it a little too easy. You know, some games here, and they get pumped up every time they play the Lakers. You know, and they get pumped up a lot for some of the real real big games. But I, I don't know. I just there's there, I think there's something to building that chemistry and camaraderie. If you just talked, you know, the Clippers probably have a little bit of a deeper roster, but if you just talked about the locker rooms, which which group of guys like each other a little bit more, it really seems like it would be the Lakers versus the Clippers. And and maybe, you know, deep into the playoffs and, and in a deep playoff run, maybe that matters. You know, a team that has won a title that uh, has also been a little bit nonchalant. We talked about them earlier today, the Houston Astros. <laughs> want to go back nice. to revisiting that because uh, we've got – Eno Saris on with us. Eno, you're on with Mike and Gino. Hey, Eno. How are you? And what did you think of today's presser? Oh, man, that, that was terrible. That was terrible. I almost put a cuss word in there for a second. <laughs> that was terrible. No, the, 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 the presser was a bad idea. That's because the, the Houston Astros are, you know, they're athletes. They're not... They're not actors. They're not politicians. Don't put them in front of a camera like that. Did you see the way Alex Bredman put his fingers together like he was making a, a high school presentation and he was trying to remember the words? So, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't have done that at all. I would have, I would have cut that out. I've been like, hey, we're going to have clubhouse availability. 
they're all ready to talk to you. Because when they went into the clubhouse, the players were much more human. They said normal things. They they were contrite. They actually accepted that they'd done something wrong. They talked about the buzzers. They talked about stuff people wanted to hear about. They talked about the fact that they knew it was wrong when they did it. So, you know, I think that first part was bad, but the second part was better. And the third part, they're going to have to go through it all year, and some people are just never going to be happy with whatever they say. Yeah, it seemed like... Um... Uh, from like a PR, we were talking about from a PR standpoint, the, the, you, you hit on a real key point. I hated the written statements, you know, that just seems so impersonal and, and so like completely prepared. And just when you when there's something like this, you should be able to for maybe like 30 seconds, just kind of give your your feelings, honestly, how you feel. And, and we got a little bit more of that um, um, come clubhouse. It's like, who particular did you, did you think came off, uh, came off like well in here? I mean, from, from everything that I have seen and, and read, I think uh, Mr. Crane, the owner really came off very poorly in, in things that he was like contradicting himself back and forth. And he kind of seemed very like uh, no big deal here. It, it didn't matter. Um, he, to me may, may have come out the worst of anyone in this. Oh yeah. And I, I think he deserves to. That was bad. He said that, like, you know, he, he basically said the buck didn't stop with him. Yeah, it does. You're the very top of the organization. Whatever you say flows down from you. And he's had trouble in his business in the past where he's gotten in trouble for things like this. So I think he sets the tone for the entire organization. And so, therefore, you know, it, it, you know, it does stop with him. And if he says it doesn't stop with me, that's gives everybody who works for him the license to say, ah, Tim Crane doesn't think it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. Oh, uh, did I get disconnected there? Are you oh, still yeah. with us, you know? I, I can no, see I'm you here. here. I'm here. There I'm you here. Go. I'm here. Okay, very good. Yeah, you know, before we move on from that, yeah, I just want to say, you know, I thought that was a really rough way to kind of initiate Dusty Baker. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> oh, he had nothing to do with this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like, like I, I don't think they should have even put him out there. Word, you know, and he, he, he seemed like the most personable person there. I mean, that's why they brought him in. He's going to be very good at bringing people together. Um, and you know, I think a lot of the knock on him not doing analytics is is misplaced. You know, every every manager knows uh, how to use the numbers, and every manager these days gets their marching orders to some extent from the front office. They. They get told to some extent, you know, what pitchers are available, what you know, what pitchers they'll use and when, uh, in certain in, to certain extent, and then also like, you know, uh, what the batting order is. I had a fr- I had a person tell me that they were giving the batting order to the manager. This is for an organization that people thought was old school. They were giving the uh, the batting orders to the manager five years ago. So I pretty much think that managers at this point are all about you know managing the people managing the personalities, and Dusty's good at that. So I, I feel really bad for him to be put in this situation, but, you know, it's a really good team, and uh, I think he can bring it together. Now, speaking of managers, I actually had, had some sources, and I, I said this on there a couple of weeks ago, that had told me that the uh, Red Sox, you know, mistakes or crimes, if you will, really weren't that bad. And I, I was going to ask if you've heard kind of the same that, you know, that their level of cheating was really, really overblown. And if that's the case, the, the managerial question I'm going to ask is, do you think they maybe, you know, fired their manager, their World Series winning manager, maybe too soon? 
No, because Alex Cora was involved in the Houston stuff too. You know, so you know, I think I think Alex Cora was implicated twice, and so he was he was really in trouble. And the the Boston thing that's going to come out, I'm sure it's going to involve Alex Cora, and that's why he had to sort of recuse himself from the situation. As for you know, do I think? I mean, the the sort of subtext is: Do I think a lot of teams are doing this? I think a lot of teams are looking for pitch tipping, are looking for, are, are trying to decipher signs. Um, I think about maybe four, five, maybe six teams um, are are doing some sort of electronic uh, work when they try to see, uh, steal signs. I know that the Red Sox and Yankees got in trouble for taking pictures and using Apple Watches, so there's a bit of technology involved there. I know that Logan Morrison posted uh, to Instagram uh, a list of five teams that he thought were doing electronic sign stealing. So there's a bit of a consensus for me that there are five or six teams that do this sort of thing. So it's not like the Astros did it by themselves and they were the only ones. Um, but it's a little bit like when Atlanta got in trouble for doing the stuff with the prospects and John Coppolo, that, man, that GM there, got banned for life. Everybody does some weird stuff with prospects in, the, in, in Latin America. He was doing it way out in front. And so that's how I think of this as well, is that you know, everyone's doing some sign stealing and something here and there. Uh, Houston was way out in front. Let's uh, move over to another big story in baseball uh, over the last week or so. It, it took a while, but Mookie Betts and, and David Price are now Dodgers. Um, the trade was reworked. It was initially a three-team trade. Then it became just a trade between the Dodgers and the Red Sox, and then the Dodgers had a separate trade with the Twins. All in all, with those three teams, how do you think they came out of it now with their uh, their rosters now uh, a little bit altered? The... Dodgers did a really cool thing, which is that they had a lot of depth and they turned it into top-end talent. And I think that they have the belief that they can turn, they can find basically other Verdugos. They can create more depth. So they think mm-hmm. Matt Beatty and maybe Edwin Rios and some of the guys that are sort of percolating underneath, that they think they can step in and be part-time replacement guys and that they can they can basically have that depth again, uh, but with Mookie Betts at the top instead of Alex Verdugo. And I think, I think they're probably right. I, I like their depth, and now I really love their top-end talent. I think they and the Yankees are the favorites to be in the World Series together. And uh, I don't really see anything in the National League stopping them unless uh, they get unlucky or injuries hit them in the playoffs. So I I think they're kind of going to run the gamut. Um, In terms of the Red Sox, I'm a little disappointed that ownership gave a mandate to cut salary because this is a top four revenue-creating team. This is a rich team. Um, and I know they made some mistakes with signing Nadia Valdi and, and signing Chris Sale, perhaps, instead of signing Mookie Betts. Uh, those seem like mistakes. On the other hand, um, this seems like a team that could make mistakes and still sign Mookie Betts. You know, they yeah. were projected to be a top four team in baseball before they traded Mookie Betts. They were going to be in it. So this isn't like a rebuilding time. This is, this is a team in the middle of being good. So uh, I'm a little disappointed that's what had to happen. I think it has to do with a little bit of the way the collective bargaining agreement is and just uh, how economics work in baseball and also just how owners work. So, uh, But it is a little disappointing. You know, I completely agree with you, especially when you're talking about, you know, 
13 million in luxury tax and numbers that really shouldn't make a whole heck of a lot of a difference for a multiple World Series winner in this decade and over the last two decades, as well as, uh, you know, highest ticket costs. They sell off Fenway all the time. So I completely agree with you, Eno. Listen, we're up against it today. We've been on a really tight schedule and uh, we got to get to our second commercial break of the show. I still want to talk to you about over-unders and things of that nature that maybe the analytics world can uh, give us some insight on. Can we invite you back on in, in a couple of weeks, especially as the spring training stories start manifesting itself and have you come back with us and uh, give us your perspective? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be down in Florida soon. This is one of the first years I'm going to do Florida and Arizona. Nice. So I'm going to visit uh, the Pirates, the Phillies, the Blue Jays. Uh, always checking with Joey Votto. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be going to the different camps and uh, staying on top of it. Outstanding. Awesome. Well, we'll be reading also about some of the, your uh, beer encounters along the way. You know, Thank you so much <laughs> for you joining know. us. We'll catch up with you uh, out of state soon enough. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, you know, that's Eno Saris from The Athletic MLB, also from MLB Network as well. We're going to take our next commercial break. Stay with us. We'll be back with David Gaskin of Fox Sports West and Fox Sports Radio. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel sports continues to grow and evolve to ever increasing prominence in today's society on all around sports host john inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world including players owners and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today john will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events tune into all around sports with john inglesby mondays at noon eastern time 9 a.m pacific on the voice america variety channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show and our third and final guest, Mike. Why don't you introduce him? Yeah, uh, he's been on the show several times. He's a local to us in Los Angeles. He's fantastic at what he does on Fox Sports West and Fox Sports Radio, as well as some play-by-play football and other sports as well. None other than David Gaskin. David, good afternoon. You're on with Mike and Gino. How are you, buddy? Hey, David. Good, man. What's going on with you guys? How you doing? Oh, man, just uh, excited about spring training opening up we were just talking about the uh astros presser and uh how much of a joke that was and you know uh excited about the dodgers landing mookie bets pulling him from my favorite team the red sox but gino's really happy obviously landing one of the top three players in the league lakers are doing well clippers are right up there everything outside of uh the the uh, tragedy with kobe in la is pretty good yeah, we don't talk about the uh, USC Trojans and their recruiting no. Uh, no. this offseason, so we can get away, away from that. Uh, good, Kings good and Ducks haven't had a good year. So, yeah. Steer clear. It's Rams going to make the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rams going <laughs> to make the playoffs. So, yeah. So uh, maybe maybe it's not as rosy then, but let's face it. The top two teams in, in L.A. are the Dodgers and the Lakers, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, it's always a good question, right? Is this a Dodger town or a Laker town? I don't know, but it, it's neck and neck. I mean, obviously, the more more championships are with the Lakers, but there's quite a contingency um, all over the place with Dodger Blue. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see the season come along and spring training is, is here. So, fellas are out at, uh, at Camelback Ranch. Yeah, and uh, are you going to be making it out there at all? Yeah, I usually like to go there at the tail end of spring training, just before the regular season starts. Um, I actually, uh, yeah, back in 2011, I was one of the guys that helped open up Salt River Fields, the home of the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. So that's a that's an awesome ballpark. That's great, great venue. I've been to games out there. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's great, man. I just, I, I enjoy it. I like spring training just because if you're going to Arizona, it's during the time of March Madness anyway. So you get a little bit of baseball. You get the college basketball frenzy. Uh, you get a little bit of everything out there. Tempe, Scottsdale. It's it's a lot of fun if you're not careful. <laughs> sure is. So let's, let's get to it, though. Uh, the Dodgers outfield, you know, MVPs, gold gloves, athleticism, speed, power. Got about six guys that are going to be uh, trying to get for the left field spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was seeing some stuff about Pollock and Peterson playing in left as a platoon. I mean, obviously, yeah, bets. I'd be kind of curious to what they're going to do with Bellinger, too, just because, uh, you know, Bellinger, he's he's a good outfielder, and at times it seemed to be a little reckless, but if you want to save a guy's legs, I wouldn't mind putting him at first base, but Regardless, you, you should be great up the middle. That's exactly what you want to have as a team, is you want to have stability up the middle. And so I think the Dodgers should have that this season. Um, you know, the acquisition of bets is one thing. I'll be kind of curious to see how much Price has left in his tank because although I love the transaction and picking up bets, the one thing I did say when they got him and David Price was 
they still need pitching because, yeah, Walker Buehler's your ace. Uh, Walker Buehler does have an injury-plagued past. Clayton Kershaw is not a number two. He was a, he's a three. I mean, I know he had a pretty good season last year in terms of record, um, and we're so used to his excellence and dominance, but you know, he's on the back nine now. And so for the Dodgers, you saw it last season with Washington, is that if you get two aces, uh, you should at least get to the, the league championship series. And if you can get that far, you should win the whole damn thing. And so that's the one thing that's been avoiding the Dodgers is that they, they've had at least one ace, but pitching-wise, if you get two of them that can get you seven innings, you make a seven-game series awfully short because you're two studs. Well, let's, uh, let's get over We don't to the Lakers. We don't have a, a whole ton of time with you. Lakers, Clippers, I, everyone just really wants to compare the, the, the two teams. You know, it's like it's almost like we're, we're guaranteeing it going to be Lakers and Clippers sometime in the playoffs. But if you, you know, before the season, if you looked at where these two teams are right now, in particular the Lakers, they've had an excellent, uh, as far as the records are concerned, first, first half of the season. Um, compare these two teams a little bit. Um, do you think they are in that top, top tier? Do you think these are two of the top, you know, three, four, five teams maybe that have a legitimate shot to win it all? Yeah, you know, I, I was doing some work for Stadium back in September. They had me on. They posed the same question, who's the best team in L.A.? And I said it without even thinking. I, I said the L.A. Clippers, and and I still believe that. I, I think that, yeah, the Lakers, where they're at right now in the Western Conference, is a top team. They had a good win against Denver the other night. But where they are, I think they're a good regular season team. But I don't think they're going to be a, a great postseason team. And I think that's the difference between them and the Clippers. And the biggest reason for that is just the youth that the Clippers have compared to what the Lakers do not have. You have Rondo. You obviously have LeBron. Um Anthony Davis, who has been great this season, but he has also been injury-plagued. Kyle Kuzma, I think they've just screwed with his mind so much that he doesn't know up from down. It's like You just don't know what you're going to get from him on a night-in and nightly basis. I think he's a fantastic player, but the continuity with him and the flow of that game, and then same thing with Caruso. He's a pretty good ball player as well and an outside shooter, but I think equipped in how they are assembled right now, especially with the trade deadline, I think the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference, and I don't care if they finish one or eight in that as long as they make it to the playoffs I think they are the team to beat and I still don't discount what's going on in Toronto and in Milwaukee because you know Giannis and Dedekupo the last three years has taken a a step in his game and played at a higher level and I think if they come out of the east I tell you what I don't care if it's the Lakers Clippers, Houston Rockets, whoever it may be, I think it's going to be a great seven-game series, and Milwaukee could obviously win it. Yeah, we were just talking about that, Gino and I. I mean, Milwaukee's winning at an 85% clip. Mm -hmm. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks. It's not the Lakers, not the Clippers. You know, uh, it's it's been a really phenomenal run, and we were trying to think of when was was the NBA this wide open? I mean, I'd have to say pre-2010. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably go back to the, I mean, hate to say it because the Chicago Bulls were so dominant, but even back then in the 90s, you had a lot of really good teams in the Western Conference. Don't forget, I mean, the Bulls would go up against, you know, they had to go up against Detroit to get into the finals. But out West, you had Phoenix, you had Portland, um, you had Utah, obviously, you had the Lakers. Um, so you had a handful of teams that were yeah, still Seattle and Denver for, had I, decent years. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've had some really, really good talent that's been spread out uh, the last couple of years in the NBA. And don't forget with the Eastern Conference, Boston Celtics, uh, you expect that they will be somewhere around the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, obviously with Gordon Hayward playing bad to his, his level with what he was doing in Utah and getting rid of Kyrie Irving, or not getting rid of him, but he bolts down. I, I do like them as well, and I think Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach. So I'm excited for the postseason, especially with, as you guys mentioned, the, the tragedy that, that hit L.A. just a couple weeks ago with the death of Kobe Bryant. Do you have any good uh, stories uh, about Kobe? Any encounters? Any memories? Anything? Uh, you know, I know... Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess the one thing is is that... At Fox, we were we were live on radio, and uh, I worked with Steve Hartman, and Steve and I were, were actually talking. We're in the middle of a LeBron and Kobe conversation, and I told Steve, I said, "Hey, L.A. is is a Laker town, but you got to remember that there's Laker fans and there's Kobe fans." And I kid you not, as soon as I said that the news broke with Kobe and I had to go back on air to report that news and oh, wow. I was I was fortunate that I got the news and just went and, and, and reported it as opposed to taking the time to think about it because as the week went along I, I, it was hard for me to fathom and process him being gone I mean he's like right around our age and yeah. it, it, you think about these reports and where they came from TMZ. I was really gun shy about even going on the air with it. And I, it's just a surreal moment. And it's just awful. I mean, to, to think of what he meant to LA as obviously an ambassador for the Lakers, women's basketball, girls playing basketball, including his daughter. And so that, that's the one good thing. And I, I said this when we were on the air is that, yeah, his life was cut short at 41, but there's not many people that can say that they have successfully maxed out 41 years of their life. Like, he lived life full tilt and went hard at it, and he didn't get cheated. Some people live 70, 80, 90 years and never do what he did, or at least live to their full potential. That's a great point. Amen to that. I totally agree with you. You know, um, you know, uh, one thing that I, that stood out to me really was I, I learned a lot. You know, I learned a lot about Kobe Bryant, things that I didn't even know. I think the thing that was most glaring to me was I didn't realize he was this beloved around the country, right? Because he kind of was an world. enemy. He was kind of the enemy, the guy that people liked to boo and, and didn't like, you know. And he kind of went through this transformation to being a very, very beloved figure for the NBA and, and beyond. Yeah, but part of the reason for that is because he was authentic. You see so many athletes nowadays, I don't care what sport it is. I'll give you a prime example, like Tiger Woods. He's more open to the public now than he ever used to be. He was almost robotic. But you get the incident with his wife, you get caught being an adulterer, you go through the injuries, you go through the setbacks, you get your tail kicked, and then all of a sudden, like you're, you're, he's coming back asking for forgiveness, asking for support, and that's humbling. And Kobe went through that, but he also went through it in front of us with social media around. And so he grew up right before our very eyes, but he never sugarcoated anything either. Like he was raw. He was real. I think the best part too, is the guy, 
he played his tail off. He really worked hard. So it didn't matter how much he got paid, but at least you knew that he was making that money no matter what it was in the circumstances. Like he Absolutely. earned everything he got and did. Yeah. And Americans as a whole love that hustle. Anyways, David, yeah. I, I hate to cut this short. We know you got to go and we're up against it as well. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. We hope we could catch up with you, uh, you know, as we get closer to the Dodgers season and, and seeing what kind of amazing run they start the year on. Yeah, we'll see, man. Good to hear from you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank Thanks, you, David. David. That's David Gaskin for Fox Sports. As always, appreciate ha- him having him on with us. Gino, we're out of time. I can't believe it. I feel like we haven't even gotten through a quarter of the material we wanted to talk about. But as always, thank you to all the listeners. We'll see you same time, same place next week, everyone. Have a great sports weekend. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.